What's up, everybody? This is Fred Ricciani. I have right here on the line a very special guest. He's a legendary Chicago Bears defensive tackle. He is now an author as well, coming out with a brand new inspirational book by the name of Endure, chronicling his journey through life and football. We are talking to Chicago Bears legend Tommy Harris. Tommy, thanks so much for doing this. How's everything going? Hey, thank you so much, Fred. Uh, everything's going well, man. Everything's going well. Bless Awesome. Well, before we dive into the book and everything you're doing as far as with your charity work and all the amazing things and being, being a family man, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering how life after the NFL has been treating you. So how has it been treating you? It's been it's been an adventure. Uh, I'll just say that, uh, like learning and learning new position, uh, you know, and it, it's just been good. Just 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 coming on as a novice and getting better each year. I've been really enjoying it. So you definitely have an inspirational story for sure. A a standout career. We're named one of the 100 greatest Chicago Bears of all time, which is a tremendous honor. Pro Bowl level player. Amazing in in college as well. Uh, But you're still a relatively young guy. So why was this the right time to write a book? Well, I'm I'm writing books. Uh, This was the first uh, book of many. I feel uh, I really fell in love with writing the expression, being able to show yourself a different light and uh, to be able to put words on papers that last a lifetime. Uh, I found, I fell in love with that. And um, it was just something that I, I, I really, it was like riding a bike, like I'm doing it. And then it, it became more and more. And I said, well, I, I feel like this is what makes sense. Being able to catalog your life and, and people read and, and see your version of, of life. And um, it's just been cool, man. Of course, in the book, you've talked very, very candidly about uh, losing your wife about a decade ago and how that caused you to eventually retire and, and kind of kind of reshift your, your focus on things and everything. How has that reshaped your perspective from the time you hung up the cleats to now where you're not only, of course, an NFL legend, but also kind of branching out to these other avenues? Yeah, it's just it's totally just reshaped the way I see everything and in, 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 in growth and taking on a new journey of any anything you go into that you close one chapter you open another so it's just been just a uh an adventure that's all i truly could say man i've been open to it uh some days have been tough some days have been excellent some days it's just what's crazy is is you you take off the cleats but the game doesn't change you know, you still have your double teams in life. You still have your holding things that are holding you back, holding still have sometimes days feeling like penalties on the play where you getting gaining ground and then you're going back here your life. And then sometimes you score a touchdown and then sometimes you feel like you're in overtime, like your day never ends. So it's just putting it all in different perspective. The, the, the game of life is a lot like football, but the cleats come off in football. But this game, it continues and just taking those different technical um detailed skill sets that i gained from football and putting them in life practices have been uh, pretty cool when you were playing was it always all about football or did you kind of dabble in writing and music uh, prior to retiring it, when i was playing it was probably 90 percent football 10 percent try to do something you know human that you kind of was flirting because you felt like if you got too good at that stuff, you'll probably have an excuse on why you got pancaked on why you didn't. So you were, it's kind of, I get it why people go all like Brady, like, or, or 
Peyton or certain people look like they're just mad scientists that it's hard to do to laugh and be serious all <laughs> like <laughs> so you you know so it's one of those things I, I feel like I I worked myself out of in football trying to keep a part of my humanity but I was all in on football and I knew I would have if I could do enough in those that that window of that space that I could do whatever I want the rest of my life. So that's pretty much what I'm doing now. Really, a finding a balance. You know, some people can juggle the, the the commercials and this and that, or some outside interests. Others maybe they sway too much to that, and they gotta refocus on football. Is that what you're, you're kind of saying? It's like yeah, for everybody. It's it's different for everybody, and how much you're willing. And you know, a lot of guys may it, it costs you relationships with friends and loved ones. And if you're all in on football and you're trying to tell them, hey, I'm gonna get back to this stuff. If I could just focus on this, this is a little window I got to make a lot of money. I know I sound like a jerk. I know I can't be at all your weddings in part. I got a window to suck up everything I could get and and hopefully I could get one of those gold jackets that lock me in for life where I could walk in a room and it costs money to have my presence there. And, and that's what they're working for. You know what I mean? It's more than just the championship because you barely talk to any of your teammates after ball. Like you got to select few guys that you dealt with while you were there that you lock in with the rest of your life. But most of the time it's locking in that small window and seeing how much can I bring to value to my name, my family's name for the rest of our lives. I mean, you you played most of your career in Chicago. Those are some diehard fans. And similarly to present day, you know, Chicago Bears, they they had their their quarterback woes. But I know you're you're zeroed in, you're focused on becoming an individual success, but did you realize kind of the gravity of playing in Chicago for the Bears who have been around forever? Oh, no question. Yeah, you 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 know that for sure. Like, I knew that I was with one of the greatest companies in football. They started football. So no no one could. I, I knew I was so appreciative of the opportunity that it was not the Cleveland Browns or the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, I knew. Like, I knew the magnitude of wearing orange and blue and playing in that soldier's field. Like, I appreciate that. But I'm talking about on the part of being personal, a personal growth. You asked me where was I at personally in this part of my life. I was just saying that I did not know that while I was in the game. Like, I was actually, if if most guys knew the magnitude of what they're really doing today, they'll take it more serious. They'll sever the, savor the moment. They'll take advantage of each game walking out of that tunnel knowing that this could be my last because injuries really do happen. There's really... So that's all I was saying. I, I I really appreciate everything about being a bear, but football is a real business, brother. Hundred percent business. Absolutely, and and I watched a, a video interview that that you did with a few other guys. We've Quentin Portis was in. A, I forgot who the those two gentlemen were uh, with the Players Tribune, where you talked about pay, and you and you talked about how like with the NFL, like they don't really kind of show you the ropes like financially i think i forgot who mentioned it but somebody said like maybe they'll bring in like a guy who's really good with, with finance to give you some seminar for like an hour or so but by that point you're maybe tired or you're coming back from practice yeah, yeah and it's, it's it's like they don't take they don't take it seriously so uh for people maybe didn't watch that that interview can you elaborate on uh what you think the nf besides obviously pay the players more because let's keep it real you guys deserve to be the highest paid athletes in all sports well, given well, what you generate but i mean as far as like what could they do better as far as like teaching people financial literacy 
Well, I think they pay us well. I think that they can make the payments more legitimate. When I say legitimate, I mean you have the most crash on head-on sport, dangerous sport, physical sport, that they should pay these guys guaranteed contracts. Like this has been over 100 years you've been getting away with not paying guaranteed for the most dangerous sport and then your insurance doesn't end it does not want it does not line up with your front end on a business deal it's not scaled that's a bad scaled deal a bad business model is the nfl they do not back the players it's all front loaded nothing's back if they come in and sign the guys and say hey if you give your life to society as crash dummies for entertainment and you make a lot of money for it but we're only going to pay you half if you do something and if by the end if you're broken and your head's messed up or your insurance going to fail after seven years and it's on you to find it yourself like so it's a lot the back end is ugly in football and that's what needs to be working on have you ever heard of racial norms uh yeah yeah, that's another thing that just got fixed in court like it's just embarrassing hearing the back end of truthful i love the game game is great but when it comes to the business of football the guys deserve better in that sport and when you said racial norms i'm I'm assuming you're referring to it was i mean it was just discovered (laughs) that the nfl medical teams perceived that black players weren't as smart is that is that where you elaborate on that a little bit which is insane 2021 yes they perceived that black that they gave um they gave um each doctor discretion on African-American athletes because they believe that the athlete already came out of a disruptive environment before it got to the league. It was already messed up before he got there. Yeah. So <laughs> they they weigh it on, give the doctor discretion whether to say or not. Uh, so they finally waived that. So maybe we're moving a little more on the fair side. The, the teeter-totters, the scales are kind of balancing. I think we've certainly seen, I mean, this is a whole another topic, but I think we've certainly seen medical racism at play, like with this pandemic over the last year. But when you think about that, I mean, the NFL is predominantly black, has been predominantly black for so many years. I mean, that's that that's just, that's just crazy right there. I mean, honestly, we're only a year removed from when Tyrod Taylor was, quote unquote, accidentally punctured in the lung by, by a team doctor uh, right. when he played for the Chargers. So. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I agree with you. The NFL, I mean, it's crazy. They're the biggest sport in, in North America. I mean, they make so much freaking money. Um, but there's, yeah, there's so many things that, that are absolutely antiquated. I, I, I love this sport. Don't get me wrong. I'm not coming at I'm not bashing the sport. I just know that we can do better for guys yeah. that are really out there and, and watching the back end, what guys go through to get their money, to get things that break down later that looked all right at a certain age, but because they did it so hard at a certain age, it shows up at 50 broken and can't be fixed or nerve damage but it can't is the nfl is not responsible because it missed the window of what like all those games should be fixed all up front for the later part of the life of the uh, player oh 100 uh, absolutely uh I, re- I actually interviewed another chicago bears legend last year uh, jim mcmahon who said largely the same thing it's like i asked him like do you think the nfl does enough to take care of former players and he just said no like yeah. not at all. And yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate um, that that is the case. Now, as far as like on the financial side, uh, when you're in the league, when you're still playing, when you're still active, when, when you're still healthy, uh, do you feel like the, the league or, or team specifically kind of do enough to 
I mean, we used to get you set up with, with with something like some education on, I don't know, IRA accounts, 401k, stock market, anything like that? Or, or is it just kind of one of those things where, yeah. hey, you're a young guy, you get all this money and now you got to figure it out yourself. Uh, no, they lock you in on the 401k and all these other things, but you don't get the, tr you don't really have enough time to sit down because the sport you play is, you're so busy in it. it it's you don't really, and then even if you are in those meetings, you're not really in the meeting. You're thinking about A gap, B gap, C gap, D gap. Okay, the little window of time I do have, what am I going to do with my family? Okay, what am I going to do with my friends? What you, Your mind's really nice. So that's a tough place. That's why I think, I think you should put aside amount of money like in a trust that when you're done, you should go through this schooling to be trustful to take it. It's your money, like, but it, the more you pass classes or get an understanding on your value, you should be able to pull out that money as you understand what you're doing. And it's already yours and it should be growing and sitting there while you don't understand it until you do understand it. So I don't know. There's a lot of different ways. I think if we really cared, we would help. I wanted a percentage of the bears when I got my contract. Smart man. <laughs> no, no way they were going. I was like, well, just take a piece of the money you're going to pay me and put it in the team so I can <laughs> broke. Like, nope, you're not a part of it. So you work for us. But you know what? It was smart of you to ask. You, you, even if they said no, it was, it was smart to ask. Uh, did you ever hear the story about John Elway, how, how he actually had a chance to buy a small piece of the, the Broncos back in the day? No. Apparently, he, he had a chance to buy, buy a piece of the Broncos like right after he retired, which you compare to what it was worth then to what would the Denver Broncos be worth now? I mean, that's a lot. He's doing well for himself, but that's a lot of money that was left on the table. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've seen John Elway's done a great job. Payman is going to – but it's only the select few guys that get that opportunity even in that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's just – it's – you could at least gave me a stock option like most companies that work Fortune five hundreds. If you work there, you get a stock option that pays off. But no, they just it, it's just a cheap, janky deal, bro. Like yeah. and everybody that plays in it, it's like WWE to me. Like all the characters that come in, the little lawyers that will never play football, the people that commentate that will never play. It just doesn't make sense on how are you guys doing this sport. And then you watch basketball and it's 90% of them. We don't even own the jobs afterwards. It's it's all the other Harvards and the Yale and the people working in the office. Like, what in the world is up with this? Is like, you really the cow. And the cow coming out asking to work. And like, no, we only hire our people to run the industry. No cows work in the cow industry. Like, Man, okay. Is it just as simple as the, the guaranteed contracts? Or I mean, is, it, is it a union? I mean, what's, what's, what's the deal? Simple. From what I know, I really don't. I can't say I'm not really educated on the unions of any of them. NFLPA, the NFL, I just never felt um, like it was a real thing that that makes change. I don't really know. I just know that the NBA seems like they have a better organiz organization amongst themselves between owners and players. Like there's an understanding, mm -hmm. hey, you guys scratch our back, we scratch our back, and it's fair. It's it's like the NFL still on some work harder and, and do more. We ain't plead like like bro, we're we've at a hundred and 
hundred and some years now, guys. Yeah. And we should be changing. The, you guys are making, you know, number one sport with the most money. Like, share some of this with the guys. And not even making their con make the contracts guaranteed. If At the you, very least, man, that would save that would help a lot of people. <laughs> but it the sport, if they guarantee they were they would have to be fair. And the world capitalism comes from not sharing. Mm -hmm. Ain't it crazy? America teach about sharing and teaching kids sharing, and we we're in capitalism. That means we don't share. The one that doesn't share the most has the most. And then he chooses a foundation to share when he wants to to help himself. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, it's funny being adult cover covering football now and, and not being i mean i'm still a fan and everything but you look at like how the media always like maybe not so much anymore but how they used to frame you know like anybody that would hold out like you're you're, oh, you're you're a bad player if you're holding out or oh you're not for the team and it's like no you're actually you have a small window i mean if you're lucky you can get a you can get a, con a big contract whatever you don't have to go through all that but yeah. sometimes even some of the biggest players have to hold out have to not show up to get what they want because they have such a small window of opportunity. Otherwise, they're just going to take an advantage of. Uh, but the problem that the, the the sneakiness of the NFL is that it's a dinosaur system, right, that lives in modern day. So the loyalty of the system, it's like the military. It's like when you hear people arguing about the military in today's time, it's like, why would they say anything about the military? Why would they say anything about the NFL? And people are like, hey, it's the Internet now, guys. It used to be a time when NFL teams were loyal to players and players could, would play with broken legs. And, okay, I got it. The business model was growing. It wasn't that many. You couldn't pick from this many. The The doors are – now that you guys got this, uh, this is a machine in the military and the, where you can cut. It used to be a draft, guys, for the military. Now you guys are cutting people out of the – that means your system is moving – you're in cash flow. You're moving. You could do whatever you want with people's lives. So the rules aren't the same as the, the, what we're morally dedicated to. It's all in capital now. It changes all day now due to capital. So it's 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 like the trickery of the mind and eyes. Army, military, all these NFL, all this stuff has changed to a cash flow of whatever they could do now to real human property, human value. Def, definitely got to got to move towards guaranteed contracts. Getting a cut. I mean, you, I think I feel like the NFL is the most idiot-proof sports league out there, as far as like just you know, they just keep making more money, and it's a great product. But it's like uh, hopefully you know down the road, players get even even more of that money, and like you said, long-term benefits. Oh yeah, uh, for a reason. I just finished burying my father last year, and my father did twenty-two years in the military. And the back end of the last five years of his life was the hardest with the VA. So I want to speak on all the guys that labor in the military that the back end of their lives is very hard, too. And not saying, that, well, you guys made millions of dollars. Well, our contracts were cut in half. Yeah, we got to look good in front of people, but we didn't, weren't guaranteed the money at the end. We put in a lot of work, too. A lot of stuff doesn't show back up on the backside. So I get it. So all these things need to be and I advocate for all these places, you know, for, for, for young football players playing football before, before a certain age, all that stuff that it's just the stuff no one speaks on. And if no one speaks on it, it will never change. You're also an artist as well. You've done a number of music videos, most of some of your tracks, really good stuff. What inspired you to get into music? And when did you realize, like, man, I, I kind of got some chops for this? 
Well, man, I actually started doing gospel music when I was playing. That was the other 10% that I did when I was in Chicago. I started a gospel label called Kingdom Business Records with a guy named Percy Beatty who wrote I Believe I Can Fly. And uh, we did a lot of different music back then, but I never put anything out. Like I have one gospel song called A Wonderful Life, like a dope Christmas song, but I, I just put stuff out but never told anybody, you know? So I was singing in the shower at the end of a charity, a softball game for Toby Keith and a lot of the different country singers and at an OU Texas softball game. And um, I was singing something in the shower and I thought a lot of guys were gone. I didn't know who was out there. And one of the guys heard it and he said, say that again. And I sung it and he said, man, you sound like Chris Stapleton and Ray Charles Mix. Wow. And I said, oh, be quiet, man. He's just fluffing me up. And he's like, no, nah, man, if you come down to Nashville, we could do something. We could put some stuff together. So I got down there, I flew down there, and we put together three songs, three beautiful songs, and just worked it out. And I just set it on the side, just playing around with it. And it's just growing organically as as my book is told and different things happen in my life. Before we let you go, we'd like to ask all our guests some kind of quick hits, rapid fire, random questions, just so people could get to know them better. You ready? Yes, sir. What's your favorite cheat meal? Chocolate-covered almonds. Mm, okay. Good choice. Chocolate-covered almonds. Put them in the freezer. If you weren't a football player, what would have been your alternate career path? In the military. Favorite teammate? Anthony, in where? College, pros? Could be, let's just say pros. Anthony Adams. Why? Just pure clownness between him and Tank Johnson. <laughs> and, and actually, that leads me to my next question, because I was going to ask you, uh, funniest teammate, and are you allowed to tell us any stories? About the teammate or just a funny story? Or, I, I guess both. Like, who was your funniest teammate, and do you have a funny story uh, about him? My teammate was uh, Anthony Adams. And that's just because he never took anything serious. Like, never. It didn't matter if we was losing in the game. If we were, he's always going to be the one to crack, make, stuff, make everyone break up laughing and make the moment light. But my funniest story is when I hid a shrimp and me and Anthony Adams hid a shrimp. We duct taped some shrimp to the back of Ottawale or Gooningle <laughs> for like two months and he was pissed. Up at the Bears and couldn't understand why he couldn't get this sticky smell out of his locker. But we never told for like two months, and it was the greatest secret. That, that, that's awesome. I don't want to get you in trouble here, but there there is always a, a public perception among some Bears fans I, I talk to that the defense secretly hates the quarterback because rarely does the quarterback ever bail him out, at least in the history of Chicago Bears. You guys have gone through a, a lot of quarterbacks uh, and, and everything. Uh, mm -hmm. What was your relationship like with Rex Grossman and then some of these other quarterbacks where it was a time for any young fans? I mean, I realized like your defense was killing it for years and years. And with all due respect, the offense was well, kind of doing the opposite. Yeah, no, man, I, I, I've never even like all my quarterbacks. I know them as persons like I, I never even every defense I played on. The defense was always like Erlacher was like my quarterback. So, so that's the only one I didn't want to let down. The other guys, we just had to control what we could control. I just knew all those guys as good guys, like Rex Grossman and Cutler and all those 
we just came to work together. Man, I couldn't judge what they did because I wouldn't want them judging me. Like, I just tried my hardest not to let them down. You played in the league when, when Tom Brady was there. He's still there now. It- I laugh at it all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> this guy, but he's a machine, though. If you've ever yeah. been around him, seen him, he does the same stuff, eat the same stuff. You you know those certain guys that do, like Dwight Freeney had the most rarest diets. You know that. You saw the guys that really took their, their body to a whole nother level. Who was the toughest guy you played against? Larry Allen. What's one piece of advice you give everybody watching or listening to this about life and finding success and happiness? I would say first, just find it in gratitude, being grateful to wake up in the morning for a day you didn't ask for. And to have breath in a body that you didn't ask for. And to look around and to see all the other people that didn't make it here today and you did. And to find a place to say thank you for that before you start complaining about what you don't have. Compare yourself to the person that you see under the bridge and and, and go over there and consider to have a conversation or talk to them. And, and, and you will make yourself feel better. If you're ever in those places of feeling less than a a lot of time, the self-doubt, the self-talk, feeling inadequate about our lives, it comes from uh, maybe feeling like you didn't make the money you should get the job you should get the all those things are part of processes, things that are being built. And if you come every day, show up to life with a good attitude, smiling, you have a better chance of committing yourself to a practice daily that shows you results of your dream coming true. Maybe you didn't get it today, but come on, let's start. Let's bet on tomorrow. If you didn't get it, let's keep on, but never, ever quit. Never give up. Never turn into no, okay. The greatest advice I'll give them is a blooming flower. Never a, a, a droopy flower never gets picked. Mm-hmm. So stay blooming. Try your hardest to bloom And the, the good morning. I know it's tough. You might've went through something hard, Try your hardest to keep a smile on your face because a bloom flower always gets picked. Fantastic advice, man. Thank you so much. And I'd be remiss if I didn't at least just ask real quick, too, uh, about some of the charity work you've done and anything you, you might have uh, going on. Because I checked out your website. You do some tremendous work. You've dropped a lot of gems here. Anything you're working on currently or any foundations you're working with currently you'd like to shout out? Uh, well, I'm just working with um, the Cedar Gate. That's where my book is coming out of uh endure uh um the endure season we have endure gear on my website tommyharris.com and you could go to the cedar gate uh forward slash tommy harris um just man we got a lot COVID set a lot of stuff back for the foundations and different things that so we're just trying to find which way to navigate or which way we're going but I always give to youth, find ways to give back to underprivileged youth or grieving families uh, going through different things. So um, just right now, just pushing and endure, just making sure everyone knows to get through it. Don't just go through life, go, grow through it. So that's the commitment. Excellent. Tommy, thank you so much, fans. If you want to find out more about Tommy Harris and his book, TommyHarris.com. You can also visit TheCedarGate.com slash TommyHarris to order his book called Endure. Tommy, thank you so much for the time. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you, bro.